Today's daf is daf Kuf Gimel. We are holding uh, towards the top of Kuf Beis Amud Beis. Let's see where we got up to Teda. We're up to Teda. It's about, uh, I would say, about 15 lines down. Teda. That's where we, I think we're up to. Let, let's just go over the review because right really in the middle of the sugya. So let's just review yesterday. We brought down that there seems to be a contradiction between two Bryce's. We had like this. One Bryce says that if you have uh, uh, a person who purchases, uh, uh, a, a, we have... A, the, the way the Gemara understands it initially anyway was, is that you have an investor giving a person that's going to re- represent him a certain amount of money and tells him, go and uh, invest in, uh, in wheat. And he goes and instead... What's that? You know, he told him, he told him, he said, go invest in wheat. I think wheat's going to do well. Go invest in wheat. And the idea was, once you invest in the wheat, wheat's going to go up. You'll sell the wheat and we'll split the profits 50-50. All right? Or, or he told him, go invest in barley. And the same thing. Purchase the barley. You'll sit on it for a couple of months. You'll sell it. Then we'll split the profits 50-50. That was the deal. All right, and this guy did the opposite. Either instead of wheat, he bought barley, or instead of barley, he bought wheat. So we have two conflicting Bryce's. Bryce number one says that uh, the, uh, the, the, the person who deviated from what the instruction is, he needs to give back, let's say it was $10,000, he needs to pay back the $10,000, and then... For better or for worse, whether or not barley went up, barley went down, wheat went up, wheat went down, bottom line is that's on him. And if it's, he makes money, makes money, loses money, loses money, and the original investor gets back his $10,000. That was Bryson number one. Bryson number two said no. It says that if, even though he bought the, he didn't follow the instruction, he bought the wrong thing, but if, let's say, he bought barley and barley shut up, so then, then he has to split the proceeds, he has to split the profits with the investor. It's only if it goes down, he, he bears the full loss of having not followed the instructions of the investor. And obviously, that's a clear-cut, clear-cut contradiction. And they want to want to know, how do we reconcile the contradiction? So we had two ways to reconcile. We had Rabbi Yochanan's way of reconciling, and we had Rabbi Loza's way of reconciling. So Rabbi Yochanan said as follows. Rabbi Yochanan says, this would seem to me, Mura Machlokis Tanoyim that we had earlier by the wool. All right? We had a Machlokis before between Rabbi and Rabbi Yehuda, that if you tell, you give, you, you go to somebody and you give him wool and you tell him to, buy, to dye it red and he dyes it black, dye it black and he dyes it red, Rav Meir's shita was kol ha-meshana, anyone who deviates from the instruction is considered to be a goslin and therefore we deal with it like a And if therefore there's been a change 
a significant change. So then the asset now is owned by the Goslin, and the uh, original uh, owner, the owner of it, he gets paid back what it was worth prior to that change occurring. That's how he gets paid back, before the Gzela takes place. And therefore, says Rabbi Yochanan, the first b'risa, clearly that's the sheet of Rav Meir. Because Kolam Hashanah deviating, a contractor deviating, is constitutes a gzela. And therefore using that money to buy the wrong thing, that's like making a shinui. That's like changing. And therefore, as a goslin, that the asset's now considered like as if it belongs to the to the thief. Goes up, goes down, doesn't matter at this point. The the the, the uh the agent who is the who the the the, the jobber, whatever we call this guy, the agent, he is the one now is viewed as a thief and therefore goes up or down, it's on him. He has to pay the owner what it originally was worth, and that is first Bryce, a clearly classical Rav Meir, have no problem with it. Second Bryce says Rabbi Yochanan, that's going like the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. Why is that the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda? Because Rabbi Yehuda holds is that we don't automatically assume where there's been a deviation that that constitutes a gzelo. And therefore, Rabbi, Yochanan, Rabbi, Yoch, uh, Rabbi Yehuda's position in the case of the wool is that when you did it red, and uh, when you asked for red, and he made it black, black he asked for red, we don't say that the wool now is owned by the contractor, because I don't look at it like exhaler. For whatever reason, we gave different reasons. But it's not viewed as straight out like exhaler, and therefore, the owner takes back the wool dyed the different color. The only thing is, because there was a deviation, because there was a deviation, he doesn't have to pay the full fee. He pays the lesser of, whether it's the materials or whether it's the improvement, he pays the lesser of. But therefore, so you see that Rabbi Yochanan's shita, I mean, Rabbi Yehuda's shita, says Rabbi Yochanan, you see, is that a deviation does not constitute exhala. So therefore, here too, a deviation does not constitute exhala, and therefore, that partnership that was originally there, remember, they, 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 uh, when he lent him the money, basically it, was con- it, con- it, it, it constituted a partnership, $50 out of the $100, whatever, $5,000 out of the $10,000 is mine, is yours, and when we buy together the grain on your half, your profits, on my half, my profits, that still really is intact if there is an improvement. But where there's no improvement, so in such a case, there the owner, the investor saying is, listen, if you did not listen to me, so therefore the fact that you don't listen to me, that's negligence of the partnership on your part. I should not have to take a hit when you were, not neg- when you were negligent and it caused us a loss. So when it goes up, the partnership is still intact because a deviation doesn't make you into a goslin. When it goes down, that negligence, you have to bear the, the, the cost of that negligence. That was how Rabbi Yochanan understood the second b'risa, going with a sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so far so good? Fine. Now, the, comes along Rabbi Lozer, and Rabbi Lozer says, I don't need to make this a machlokas tanoyim. The two Bryces don't have to be conflicting opinions, and, uh, and, and these two Bryces actually could represent, the, both of them could represent the Shita of Rav Meir. Now how could they both represent the Shita of Rav Meir? Very simply, he says like this, is that 
we don't have to say both prices are talking about an investment, meaning Rav Meir will hold like this. Rav Meir, like we saw in the case of the wool, if you're giving something to someone because you personally need to get the item that you're asking for, I need red wool. Okay, I have to make a woolen dress because that's what we're wearing for the wedding. I need a red wool. And you come back and you get black wool. I don't need black wool. I need red wool. That's considered to be a deviation. It's called exhala because you mamas went against what I need. That's exhala. But if it's only for investment purposes, then it's not that I need the, I, I need the wheat or I need the barley specifically. It's I think that that's what's going to get us the maximum amount of money. So therefore, if you change what I said, but it actually maximizes the profits, so then that does not violate the agreement. That's the shot. So therefore, what, 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 what uh, Rabbi Lazar wants to say is that in the case, the first brysa uh, that looks at it as a deviation that's considered to be a gzela, and therefore what the uh, person, the person, the, 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 the thief, quote unquote, has to pay back what it was worth, before he, uh, he uh, the, the money, he has to give back the money before he bought the wrong item. That's talking about where it wasn't for investment purposes, like the case of the wool. He, I, I'm baking wheat, I'm baking bread, I need wheat. I don't need barley, barley's animal food. I don't want barley or the other way around. So in such a case, that deviation constitutes a gzela, and therefore whether it goes up or down doesn't matter. There's a gzela, you need to pay, uh, at the time, of right before the gzela occurred, you need to pay back the money. That's the first brysa, either up or down you pay back. The second brysa, that's the case of investment. So now you're giving something, we're going to join into partnership, you're to invest in something, so that we're gonna make, maximize our, 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 our profits. So in such a case where you on your own went and did, uh, did not follow the instruction, but it resulted in a higher ROI, that's not a, that does not, that's not considered to be exhaler. That's not considered to be violating the, the terms of the agreement because the understanding was to maximize. So in such a case, when it goes up, you are representing me, we are partners. It is considered to be a, a valid transaction and we both benefit from the appreciation. But where you did not listen and because of that, you, uh, it went down, then how can, you're not my agent in such a case, you didn't follow instruction, you caused me a loss, in such a case, that taka is, that's gonna be all on you because you actually, you have deviated from the terms of the partnership and therefore you're responsible for that loss, not me. So basically, that is, that was the machlokas we had uh, between Rabbi Yochanan and his Talmud, Rabbi Lazar, in how to reconcile the two brises that we had that were contradictory. So, now, with that understanding, the Gemara now has a problem. The Gemara has the problem that that in Eretz Yisrael, they, they, they mocked Rabbi Yochanan. I think uh, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that, that, that it, whenever it uses that expression, it's referring to Yossi Bar Hanina. Not sure exactly. Again, we said Rabbi Yochum was the Godel Ador, the editor of Talmud Yerushalmi, and he used it to mock him. And, but whatever, the point is, what is the problem they had with Rabbi Yochanan? So now, this is very important over here. The, 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 at, at, the, the point of Machlokis, according to the way you interpret the two Bryces, between Rab Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, the point is like this. In the Shita of Rabbi Lozer, where they both follow Rav Meir, 
Rav Meir's, uh, Rav Meir's of the opinion that if there's a deviation, that's considered to be a gzela, and if that's considered to be a gzela, all bets are off, doesn't matter, up or down. The only thing is, in the case of an investment, it's not necessarily a deviation. Why is it not necessarily a deviation? Because if it goes up, then actually that follows the spirit of the partnership and that was not considered. It's only a deviation when it goes down and that therefore it, it ruins the partnership and the guy has to absorb the entire cost. That is the way Rav Meir understands. But now, and that, that is the way Rav Loza explains in Rav Meir. However, in the position of Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan wanted to make the two brises a machlokas, Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda, which means the brise, so where it goes up, then you keep the, then you split the, the, the appreciation. When it goes down, then all bets are off. That's going in the shita of Rabbi Yehuda. And the way Rabbi Yochanan want to say is because Rabbi Yehuda says the fact that it's been a major deviation, the fact that it's been a deviation doesn't make you into a goslin. And therefore, you still have a right to benefit from the, uh, from the, from the investment. Because you're not necessarily a goslin, right? So on that, the Bnei Yisrael, the Bnei Eretz Yisrael said that makes no sense. Rabbi Yochanan, listen to what you're saying. He's saying like this. If you, your point is that when there is a deviation, okay, you're not a goslin. All right, we can buy that. It means because there's a deviation from a contractor doesn't automatically make him into a goslin. But in the very least, if you've deviated from what the person wanted and the person, what the person's instructed, the same way as you saying that he does no longer represents the, uh, the investor when the asset goes down, if you're viewing this as a deviation, see, in Rav Meir, we said we, it's, not, it's not viewed as a, devi- a deviation. We don't look at it as a deviation because it's within the spirit of the investment. But Rabbi Yehud, but making it go like Rabbi Yehuda, which means you're not explaining it the way Rabbi Loz explains. Rabbi Yehuda explains it's going like Rabbi Yehuda Shita, that even though it's a deviation, it's not a gzela. Okay, but even if it's not a gzela, but if there's been a deviation, then how can you be representing the investor if you're deviated from what you that, that from his position? How can you say you're representative? You can't represent as an agent represent him when you've deviated. The same way, when it goes down, you have to take the full uh, loss. So when it goes up, you should absorb the full value. And the way they couch it is, they say the seller. The seller just has the person, the, the, the seller of the grain, the person that's in front of him, he's selling to the person in front of him. Now, the person in front of him, it's not necessarily representing anybody. He's a, I'm selling to you. So when it goes up, I sold it to you. I'm not selling it to the other 50% of the other guy, especially where there's been a deviation. If there's a deviation, you don't represent the other fellow. If you don't represent the other fellow, then how can, when it goes up, the other fellow make money on something that he really didn't gain. When the seller sold it to him, you need the mindset of the seller. The seller thinks he's selling to the guy standing in front of him. He's not selling to it. Now we're going to see, it's true. If the seller is considered, the one is going to actually say, the seller is representative of the fellow as a shliach, then even if, I'm not the seller, if the agent is representative of the investor as an agent, as a shliach, 
So even if the seller doesn't realize there's somebody who, who, who invested the money, there's an investor, it doesn't matter because the agent represents the investor. But where you've deviated, how can you call yourself an agent? And if you can't call yourself an agent, the seller is just selling it to you. Why, when it goes up, should the investor be able to benefit? That was the question that the Bnei Ered Yisrael asked. Now, where, where, do, where do we learn, Rabbi, that the, the seller's intent of who he's selling to has any impact on this? Well, in any sale, right, when you have a sale, you have to have the mindset of both have to be taken into account, right? But hold, okay. hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought for a moment, because okay. we've got to explain what the, the crux of the machlok is. So, so, uh, so Rabbi Shmuel society, Rabbi Shmuel society, is uh, aligns himself with Rabbi Yochanan, right? Explaining Rabbi Yehuda, and he says, "One second. He's saying is that your your, your logic is that if you take into account the the the, in, the intent of the seller, right? Then even when it's when he does do sweet and he when he when he does buy the right thing, at the end of the day, the the, the seller is still selling to who? The seller is selling to the guy standing in front of him. So therefore, so therefore, how does it work? How, how does it go? So the one says, that's not a question. Actually, it's a very, uh, you have to understand that. Because where he does the right thing, then you can call him an agent. Where he does the wrong thing, you don't call him a goslin, but he's not an agent. So therefore, right away, he pushes that off. But now, let me tell you what the, and this, this touches on what you're saying. What the machlok is, the way the achronim, a masbir. So you have here, you have Rabbi Yochanan and, and you, you, on, on one side, together Rabbi Yochanan with Rabbi Shmuel Society on one side. And you have the Bnei Ma'arovo and you have Rabbi Vo on one side. And bottom line is, they, the way they masber, very interesting, it's almost a philosophical understanding, but it's the mechanics of a sale. When we have a sale, when a person is there's a seller, and then they're, they're, uh, and, and, and there's a buyer in front of him, but when there's an item, transaction of items, whether it be money, whether it be uh, uh, item, whether it be merchandise, do we say that you sell to the person that's in front of you? Are you selling to the money? Meaning, are you selling to whoever owns this money, that's who I'm selling to. That's the way the Akronim of Let's speak it out. Meaning, if you're selling to the person, then I understand if the person has deviated from the partnership, you cannot say he's working as an agent because he's deviated, he did the wrong thing. So if he did, the, he did not follow the instruction. So if you're selling to the person in such a case, then the Bnei Marava are correct. How can the investor get his 50% of the share if the seller was selling it to the buyer and the buyer at this point is not representing the seller that why is he not re- he's not representing the investor because he deviated so you can't say but on the other hand the way to look at it is is that maybe we don't the, when you sell something to somebody you don't care who the face in front of you is what you're selling is to the money right you hear that that's another the other the other side i'm selling to whoever owns the asset Whoever, whoever's buying from me, whoever's selling, whoever owns the thing that he's selling, that's who I'm intending it to go to. So now in such a case, so then we can understand that even when there's been a deviation, it is possible that the profits will accrue to the original investor because the seller is not selling necessarily to the guy standing in front of him. Who is he selling the item to? 
retail, the market. No, no, but more than. But who, who, who's he mean to sell it to? The guy, the guy, the guy in front of him is the is an is an agent. But this is an agent who went rogue. So he doesn't really function as an agent. So the question is: so when you're selling, you're selling to the money, you're, you're selling to the money. Since you're selling to the money, and who's the owner? At least fifty percent of that money is the investor's money, right? So therefore, that's the, the profit accrues to the investor under such a circumstance. That's what's going to be the machlokas here. Are you selling to the person? Are you selling to the money? All right? That was the... Now, Rabavohu wanted to bring a... Rabavohu wanted to bring a proof that I'll show you that clearly you sell to the person, not to the money. What was his proof? He said mm-hmm. like this. That if somebody wakes up one morning and decides, you know what, I am going to give all of my assets to the Beis HaMikdash. Or I'm going to give an Erech, I'm making an Erech vow. An Erech vow is I have to pay for the value of everything that I own. I have to give its value to the Beis HaMikdash. So it does not include his wife and children's clothing. There's clothing, the shoes, does not include, right? So, and then, the, and then the Mishnah adds another wrinkle. And even if this clothing and shoes have just been commissioned, means he just paid for it, but they haven't yet been delivered to the wife and children, they haven't started wearing it, he hasn't given it to them yet, they also will not be included in the consecration and the erech that he makes. So the Mora asks like this, I understand that if he already gave it to them and then he consecrates, you can say that he doesn't have the ability to consecrate what they've started wearing because by them having been given the item, so then it now belongs to them. And since it belongs to them, it is, it is precluded from being coming uh, consecrated or being included in the Erech because he no longer owns it. But Lechora, if all he did was he purchased it from the, from, from the, the uh, craftsman, the, from the person making the colored clothing, from the person who's making the shoes, he, made, he gave the money, he, he, he purchased it, but he has not yet delivered it to them, so then why would it not become consecrated? So, says, uh, Rab, says Rabbi Vahu, he says... What do you see from this is the guy, the salesman, right? When he sells the shoes or when he sells the garment to the husband, he's obviously has in mind not to sell it to the money. Because if he sells it to the money, then who should still be the owner of these shoes or the owner of the garment? If it has not yet been given. It would be the the guy that actually... It would be the buyer, the directly. The, the husband. The husband would still, and then when the husband consecrates it, and it hasn't been yet given to the wife or children, what should happen to the clothing or the shoes? They should become consecrated, right? The husbands, right? Right. So, so therefore, so why? Why not? Why does it become consecrated? It must be because the husband, at the time when he's purchasing them, he's functioning as an agent. 
At that time, he's functioning as an agent for his wife, an agent for his kids, and the person who's selling it to them is not selling to the money, but he's selling to the person. And since you're selling to that person, and that person now represents his wife and his children, that stops the item from being able to become hegdish because it does belong at the time of the sale. It automatically transfers to who? to the wife and the children. That is the proof that Rabbi Vol wants to bring. Because if you're selling it to, if the guy is selling it to the money, then they should belong to the husband, they should become consecrated. Why aren't they? Because they don't belong to the husband. I, the wife, hasn't taken possession. It must be the husband's functioning as the agent of the wife, I, but the, the, the seller doesn't know that, must be the seller sells to the person, and the person, the fact that he's the agent, automatically makes it go to the wife, automatically makes it go to the child. That is the pshat. That's he wants to bring a raya. So that's what he wanted to say. On that, so that's where we're starting from now, Tedah. So Rav says, I'll prove to you that the sale is to the person, not to the money. The Snan, we learned in the Mishnah, when a person consecrates his properties, whether or whether he's doing, uh, he's selling it or he's, or he's, or he's making an er, he's, he's either consecrating or making an erech vow, and erech vow means anything he has has to be evaluated, and the money of it has to be given. The treasurer cannot collect from the clothing of the wife, beloved subban of enough from the clothing of the child, beloved sabah shet lashman, and uh, and neither if it was just colored, the garments had just been colored for their sake, it was commissioned and it was paid for, but had not yet been delivered, beloved sandalim, and not for the shoes that are new chadashim shalachim shman that he bought for their intent, means they were just purchased, they had not yet been delivered, nevertheless they are protected from becoming consecrated. Now, ask Rabbi Amai, why, why, according to Rabbi Shmuel ben Sassarti, where you sell to the money, if you sell to the money, then the money is owned by the husband. If the money is owned by the husband, these items should be belonging to the husband. And if these items belong to the husband, when he consecrates all his assets, what should happen? They all should become kadosh. Right. So therefore, Lema Hachanami here too. Why don't you say the same thing? Who notified the dyer that he should transfer the clothing to the wife or the children? Lechora, he's selling it to the money. He's not selling it to the wife and children. Must be that we say that he's selling not to the money, he's selling to the husband. And since the husband has already in his mind appointed himself that these items are going to be bought on behalf of who? Of his wife and his children. So when he purchases it, automatically it becomes them. And then when an hour later he consecrates it, it's protected from becoming consecrated. So therefore, and he's considered to be like the hand or the arm of the wife and the children. So here too, in our case, when the agent, the agent is, uh, uh, is, is, is you're taking the investor's money and he is purchasing the item, but he's purchasing something that was not instructed to do so, all right? So therefore, it's kiyad balabai's dummy. It must be, if you're telling me that, uh, that, that uh, it, has, it works, uh, so when he does the right thing, 
when he buys the right thing, then you can say he's acting uh, uh, as, as the arm of the, of the investor, and therefore, tell him to buy wheat and he buys wheat, the investor gets the percentage of it. But if he does the wrong thing, so then he's not acting as the agent, and if he's not acting the agent, and you're sell and, and the seller is, uh, is is selling it to the guy in front of him, and the guy in front of him is deviated, he's no longer the agent. So then the chora, why should anything accrue back to the original fellow? It should not, whether it goes up or goes down, it should no longer, uh, it should only be accrued to the person, to the agent, and not to the investor. And that was the question that the Maimarova had on Rabbi Yochanan. So that's what the proof is that we sell to the person, not to the money, was in this case of the wife and the children. On that muscular Abzeir, Abzeir says, I don't think it's a good proof. Why? He says, Let me ask you, a, uh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped the line. I'm a Rabbi, a Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba says, I don't think it's a good proof. Why? Because it could be, you have no proof over here. It could be, even if you tell me the agent uh, sells to the money, right? He doesn't sell to the husband. All right. So your question was: If he sells to the money, then the thing should become consecrated. No. The issue over here is what may be the husband when he consecrates. What does he have in mind? Maybe when a, when the husband consecrates, he has in mind that I'm consecrating all my assets, but he's not including in it what. He's not including it the shoes and the garment. Even though the shoes and the garment could be, he owns it because the seller sold it to his money means he owns it, but it doesn't become consecrated because maybe there's an asterisk. We, we put in an asterisk. When he says, I'm, I'm, I'm consecrating all my assets, he didn't mean all his assets. He meant to leave out what? The garments of his wife and the garments of his child. So therefore you have no proof from here that whether you're selling to the money or selling to the person, because the, the reason it doesn't become consecrated is because the consecration itself doesn't include it. So muscular of Zerah, Zerah says, I disagree with that answer. It's not a good answer. He says, Let me ask a question. Let's say you have your tefillin, or in Iris' case, your two pairs of tefillin. You have in your house, and you say, I'm consecrating all my things to the base of Mikdash. Would you think that you meant to include your tefillin, yes or no? Probably not. Yeah. You know right, time. because now what you're going to have to do, I'm going to go have to now redeem it from the base of Mikdash to be able to use it. So you would assume that what? That the person's filling up, even though what the person says, I'm consecrating all my assets. The halacha is, he has to redeem his tefillin. So what do you see? That when you say all my assets, it's inclusive of everything. Well, if it's inclusive of everything, including your tefillin, it should also be inclusive of everything if you own it, including what? Let's see you guys keeping the... The, 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 the clothing and the shoes. The clothing yeah, and the shoes. Know. It should also be included in clothing and shoes. So you can't say that he didn't mean to include it, even though he said all my assets. Because if he didn't mean to include it, then why did he mean to include his tefillin? Obviously, if you say everything, everything means everything. So therefore, you have to say that the reason the wife's sho uh, shoes and clothing were not included is not because that's not what he meant when he consecrated. It must be at the time of sale, at that point in time, it immediately transferred to them. That only works if you sell to the person, not if you sell to the money. That's the point we're making here. So he says, like this, Does the person intend to consecrate his tefillin? And you will look to the Mishnah, He has to evaluate his tefillin to be able to repossess them. They become kadosh. So Amalei Abai, Abai says, you know what, in. 
That's, that, that's not a good question. It could be that Daita Shalotim al It could be that when a person consecrates, he does include his tefillin. Nevertheless, it doesn't mean that includes his wife's clothing and, uh, and shoes. You know what the difference is? The difference is like this. Is this guy wants to maximize the mitzvah. I want to do a huge mitzvah. I want to give all my assets to the base of Migdash. So therefore, even though it's going to create a bit of a hardship, that he now has to go ahead and redeem his tefillin if he wants to be able to use them, that's part of the mitzvah. So I'll give more tzedakah to redeem it and, and, and be able to use it. He says that he might be willing to do when it's his own tefillin. But you know, you're going to start fighting with your wife now about her shoe collection. Can you imagine what's going to happen? You come home and say, honey, you can't wear any of your clothes. You can't wear any of your shoes. Your kids can't wear any of the clothes. What's going to end up happening over there? That's going to be World War III. So when he said, even if a person does have in mind to include his tefillin, it's possible that he does not have in mind to include his wife's shoes or her or clothes or the children's shoes and clothes. That's what Abai wants to say, right? You have the, que- the answer. So I'm going to buy in. Yes, it makes sense. Daito shaladam al of a person's mind, he includes his tefillin. Why? Because I'm Akdishnachos, a person who's at that mindset, consecrating all his assets. Savar, mitzvah kavit. I want to do the mitzvah in the greatest possible way. And even if it means having to know, now go by and repurchase my tefillin. But But a person does not, will not have intent, including in that mindset, his wife's clothing or the wife's shoes, or the children's clothing and shoes. Mishum Eva, because of the enmity, the fighting, the negativity that that will arouse. Okay. So therefore, you have no proof anyway from here whether you say a, person, a seller sells to the money or does he sell to the, to the person, you have no right. Maskibla Rav Oshia. So Rav Oshia has the following question on the, uh, on the answer that we just said. He says, included in the case was you either consecrated all your assets, or what did you do? Or you made an erech. An erech for all your assets means that everything I own, I now will have to evaluate and give to, um, and give the, the, uh, Give the money for it, okay? Now, so there's two different ways of, uh, now, the halacha is that if by erchin, if there's erchin and you don't, uh, and, and you don't um, follow through and give everything you're supposed to give by an erech, the treasurer can come, even erev Shabbos, and he can confiscate anything you own and use as collateral. That's the halacha. So the Gemara asks, is that, do you think this person intended to make an erech on something that's going to result in him having an item of his confiscated? I mean, if the idea is, what did the person have in mind? So one way of saying is, everything is included. Everything is tefillin. And, and if he owns the clothing, the clothing. So then I understand. So therefore, the same thing, erech, everything is including. But if you tell me, no, we go, there's a presumption that we look into his mind and we say, yes, he's willing to include the tefillin. No, he's not willing to include his wife's clothing, his children's clothing. Right, that's not willing to include. So if that's true, then you should say the same thing. Are you, are you willing to include something that's going to end up resulting in something major being confiscated for you that you're not going to be happy was taken away? Of course not. 
if we go look into his mind. And yet we don't say that. We say that it all becomes Erech, uh, uh, Everything gets error, and if it gets confiscated, it gets confiscated. Must be the fact that you said everything. Everything means everything, and we don't start making asterisks. We don't start making distinctions. What did he mean? What did he not mean? So therefore, like this, the mask of Oshia, we were dealing with obligations to pay an erech as well. And we learned in the Mishnah, we said that we take a mashkon for them, right? People can, the, the treasure can come and take a security for people that have not paying the Erech vows. Did a person intend when he made the Erech that this item is going to result in him having a security taken. And nevertheless, you see that it doesn't matter. The fact that you said everything is gonna have an erech, whether or not you end up having to lose an item because of you're not paying on time, that doesn't matter. So we don't go down and say, well, that wasn't included, this wasn't included. It means everything's included. So therefore the wife and children's all clothing should be included or not. Unless at the time of transaction, that was already not included. Why not? Must be because he represented them and the seller sells to the person not to, or the buyer buys from the person, not from, not, not for, not, it's not focusing on the money or the asset. So therefore, so Ella Amarova, it's a different shot over here. The shot over here is like this, and this is a big Kiddush. What the Gemara says is that uh, when a person is Magdish, when a person is consecrates his items, the fact that he knows that he got, he bought something for his wife or he bought them for his children, all right? At that moment when he consecrates them, he did own it. So why does it not become kadosh? Because we say that it's as if he's transferring it to them at the time of his consecration that they should own it, that it should not become consecrated. We know that that's what he wants to do. Obviously, he commissioned it for them. So therefore, even though they don't own it until they normally take hold of it, so why over here is it not consecrated? Because we say, at the time, it's as if he transferred it to them, the his wife's clothing and children, from beforehand. From beforehand, it's as if he transferred it to them. Now the question is, when does that transfer transferal take place? When does that title take place? So, 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 uh, so, so the 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 Mefarshim explain as follows. The Mefarshim say is that when he acquired, when he buys it from the from the buyer, from 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 the dyer, from the even though that person does not. Uh, is, 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 does not necessarily know that he's buying it on their behalf, right? And he's selling it to the, to, the, to, the, to the husband. And by selling it to the husband, it should then become the husband's asset. It would be true. It would normally be true unless you say the husband is the agent, but then you have to say you're selling to the person. And we're saying now that we want, we want to explain for the shita of, 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 of Rabbi Yochanan or the shita of Shmuel Sasarti is that you say, even if you sell to the money, even if you sell to the money and it should belong to the husband, over here there's an exception. Since the husband is for sure wants to go and give it to the wife, he wants to give it to the children. At the time of the purchase, it automatically transfers to them. 
And now the Mephoshim asks, how does that happen? Normally, in order for there to be a transferal of asset, there has to be a Kenyan representing the other party. So who is acquiring it representing the other party in this case? So what the Mephoshim say that normally you need to have a Kenyan because you need to have Gemiris Das. That a person says, I'm going to sell something, doesn't automatically mean that he's selling it unless there's a Kenyan that shows you someone's taking it away from them. But when we know for sure that that is his intent, a big Kiddush, that we say that he's Gomer Das, it works even without an acquisition from the other party. It automatically transfers to them, so at the time when he buys it back from the dyer, he means to buy it for them on their behalf. It goes to them in this case, even though the seller is selling it to him, and even though it belongs to him, he transfers it, transfers it to them without another acquisition, because we say that there's a presumption that 100% there's a full resolve that it should go to them, and therefore it works. That is how this works. Let's go back to it. Tan Rabbonu. The Mora now is going to ask a question of the Bnei Marova, the Chachamim from, uh, from Eretz Yisrael. It says, Halokeach Sada B'Shem Chavero. Now we have a very enigmatic uh, Brisa. The, uh, the Brisa says something here that at first glance makes no sense whatsoever. We're going to have to go and explain it. If you buy something in the name of your friend, we don't force him to sell. Again, we're going to have to explain what these words. Sounds like gibberish. And if you said on condition, so then we do force him to sell. So my Amr, what is this Bryce talking about? What is being said over here? So Amr Abshesh is Haki Amr. So says, I'll tell you what's going on over here. Is that this fellow wants to do something to protect himself. He's worried that there are people that when he buys a property, there might be people show up and claim it's theirs. There might be people that are gonna start up with him. Now, he knows that there's a very powerful authority that's living in Chutzlar, that's living in Bovel, who's known as the Reish Galusa. The Reish Galusa, otherwise known as the Exolarch, was the titular head of Bovel, was a descendant from uh, the, uh, the tribe of Yehuda, from the Malchus David, and he, what he says, he comes up with a chap. I'm going to put on the deed, I'm going to put on the deed, who is buying this? This is being bought by the Exolarch. Not that the Exolarch actually is the owner. I'm going to be the owner. But why am I putting the Exolarch name on it? Because if anybody comes to start up, what will I do? I'll show them the deed that who's the owner? The Exolarch. People are going to be afraid to start up. So that's what he does. Right? That's his intent here. So let's see his inside. So my ka'amr, so amram sheish, is hachi ka'amr. Halokeach sada mechaveiro b'shem reish kalusa. Someone is buying a field from his friend, but he asks his friend to put down that the buyer's name is the reish kalusa. Ain't kofin osa reish kalusa limkor. We cannot now go to the reish kalusa and say, you know what? You know, this wasn't really a sale that you should own it, and we're afraid three generations later people might not know, and this document might surface, so please write this guy another document to show that you're the owner. We will not force the Reish Galusa to do that, and you'll just have to roll with the dice. Even though you are the true owner, but you have a document that seems to say otherwise, that's your problem. Now, we're going to have to explain the second half of this price in a moment. But if you said uh, that sell it to me on condition that the Reish Galusa will agree to write another document in my name, it'll sell it back to me. Then we will force the Reish Galusa to write another star in the name of the true buyer. Okay, now let's explain this because this doesn't really 
fully explain the Brysa. Amar Mar, the master just said, Someone purchased the field in the name of the Reish Galusa. We don't force the Reish Galusa to sell. Now, what does that imply? Now, obviously, if the sale actually made it own, that the Reish Galusa owns it, so obviously if the Reish Galusa owns it, he doesn't have to sell it. Why should he have to sell it? Must be the reason why we have to even tell you we don't force the Rage Galusa is because you might have thought that you could force the Rage Galusa. Why might you have thought you could force it? Because the Rage Galusa doesn't really own it. it. Means it's the understanding is who's the real owner. The real owner is the buyer. But yes, since it looks like it could be a mistake three generations down, so therefore you might have thought we should ask the Reish Galusa or force the Reish Galusa to write it, but that's why it's going to tell you can't force the Reish Galusa. So McLeod, so but for the fact that, that you have to even tell me don't force the Reish Galusa, so it means we do agree that who is the real owner? McLeod, the, the Mikna Kanyale, that implies that the true owner is who? The true owner is Ruvain, the buyer, not the Reish Galusa. Now, let's understand this for a moment. Like, listen carefully. If, in fact, you go to a guy, you say, write it in the Reish Galusa's name. Now, and he doesn't know. You didn't tell him that really the Reish Galusa is not buying it. You're the one who's buying it. So therefore, if you're the one who's buying it and you're putting the Reish Galusa's name, how does the seller know that he's selling it to you and he's not selling it to the Reish Galusa? And yet we see you own it. The only way you can answer that is because we say a seller doesn't sell to the person in front of him. Who is the seller selling? Must be a selling to the money. So from here we have a raya that we sell to the money, like Rabbi Yochanan, like Rabbi Shmuel Vashasarta, not like the Bnei Marova. This is the question that one is asked. So one says like this: the chora. So lame applicate the rabbi the bnei marova. The chora. This would seem to contradict or argue with the opinion of the bnei marova. The amri vechi mi hodiel about chitin. That they said, who told the owner of the wheat? that he should be selling it to the homeowner. He's selling it to the, the agent in front of him. He doesn't sell it to the money. He sells it to the person. So how does the original investor own it? That was their question. So the say the same thing over here. How does the person in front of him own it? I mean, how is the person in front of him owning it if this guy thinks that he's selling it to the Reish Galusa. The guy in front of him telling me that the Reish Galusa is buying it, so therefore how does the guy in front of him own it? It must be that, the, that, he, that he's selling it to the money. Selling it to the money, I understand that the buyer owns it. Because otherwise, if you sell to who you think is buying it, normally it's the person in front of you. Now the person in front of you telling him to put Reish Galusa, you should be selling it to Reish Galusa. It should not be owned by the, by the buyer, it should be owned by the Reish Galusa, and it must be a sell to the money. That's the most say. So that's not difficult. Means maybe the case was is that he he told them it's a ruse. He said, I'm actually buying it. He said to the seller, selling it to me, but put the Rage Galusa's down. And we'll tell the witnesses the same thing. I'm actually buying it. And we're just putting the Rage Galusa's name is to use it as a security for myself. Someone says, okay, fine. So that works and you can get away. It's not a kasha on, but if that's the case, then Ella Amos say, how are you going to explain the second half of, the, of, of this b'risa? Almanas, if you say Almanas, specifically Almanas, 
that the Reish Galusa will sell it back to me. So then Kofin owes the Reish Galusa Limco. We force the Reish Galusa to sell it back. Says the Gemara, am I? How can you force the Reish Galusa to do anything over here? You have a right to go ahead and make a condition that the Reish Galusa is going to have to write you a document that he should sell it back to you. But the Reish Galusa, the Reish Galusa should say it like this. That when a person buys something, it gives an honor. Like his buying is adding an asset to his collection. So I don't need the honor from you to make it look like I'm buying something. But but I also don't want, I don't want the, the deprecation. When you sell an asset, when you sell property, it makes you actually go down. Oh, look at the guy's losing money. He's selling his property. I don't want that happening either. So I don't want your honor and I don't want your deprecation. How can you force me to sell you and make it look like I'm selling you back a piece of property? So El Amr Abai. So Abai says, clearly Rabshesh's shot does not work. And we have to give a different shot in to, re, to, 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 to reconcile the two, the, 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 uh, to explain this b'risa. Ha'chika amar. Ha'lokech sada b'shem chaveiro reish kalusa. The case was over here. A person, again, this is no different than the beginning. It just, it just, it, he, he, he says the reish kalusa is my body. Put it in his name. Why it flips this around? Some actually change it. Before he said, he sells it to his friend. He, I mean, he buys it from his friend in the name of the Reish Galusa. Here it says he's buying it from his friend who is the Reish Galusa, but the same idea. Means he really wants to own it, but he wants the Reish Galusa's name to go on it. So in such a case, ain't kofin es hamocher. The idea over here is, you cannot go back to the seller and say, listen, you know that this document was really a sham. Because really, the Reish Galusa doesn't own it, even though we put his name. I just need it there for security purposes. But write me another document that says I'm the true owner. That you cannot force him to do. Once he wrote the first document, you cannot make him go back and do the second document. Lim Korzim Nachri, to make him write a second time. Person has a right saying, listen, it's gonna, the name is going to get out there that I'm selling off all my properties. People don't realize it's the same sale. They might think it's a different sale. I don't want to look dead. I'm doing a firehouse. All my assets are going to become devaluated. But im amr lo almanas, but if he says, almanas, I'll buy this from you on condition that you'll write me another document in my name, then then we do force the seller to sell it to him again. Okay, now let's see if this, if this works out. Amar mar. A person purchased the property from his friend, B'Shem Chaver, in the name of his friend, Ankov, and his Amokher, Limkor, B'Zimna Chrisa. So when it says, Pshita, obviously, what right do you have to go back to the cell and say, write me another document, make another sale? You, I did it. We did the first sale. You told me to put the Reish Galus's name is. I put the Reish Galus's name. So what, why would you think that you have a Havamina that you should be able to come and say, no, you can't force him to do it again. Why would I think I could? Pshita. You might think as follows that Matzi Amarlei made a yada da'at You knew. I don't know the Reish Galusa from beans. And you know that, that it was for me. So you understand I'm doing a ruse. I'm just putting the Reish Galusa to protect me. And therefore, you might have thought it's understood that you're going to write me another document. So maybe a da'at 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 I'm really buying it for myself. And I'm only doing it for security purposes. I'm making it out of the name of the Rish Galusa. And you know I don't want to throw away my money for no reason. So therefore, obviously, the understanding is you're going to write me another document. Kamash Malan comes to teach me, no, I didn't agree to it. The fact that you did it, well, now why? The Amalei says, in Yona Avdiloch. 
listen, I don't know, you might have had some kind of uh, uh, a deal made up together with somebody that you put in the Reish Galusa's name, and you might, I don't know what the reason you're doing it, you might have some kind of shtick that you wanted that way, I'm willing to go along and do it. That whoever you, uh, you agreed to put it in the name Reish Galusa, maybe the Reish Galusa itself, whatever it is, you have some deal going on that I'm not aware of, I'm happy to put it in the name of anybody you want me to put it, but to come back and ask me now, write a new document in your name, I never agreed to that. Let him go back, the guy who, go back to the Reish Galusa and ask him to write it. Don't ask me, I never agreed to it. Okay, now what about the second half of the Brisa? But but if, the Chorin says, if the seller agreed, I will write you another document, then then we do force the seller to write another document. That also seems to be pretty obvious. No, it is necessary. Why? Because we said, because the case is like this, is that you said to the uh, witnesses, day in front of the witnesses, in front of the seller, you said, you actually said, I'm going to need another document. This document is really a sham. I'm going to need another document. I'm just doing this for my protection. So now you might have said like this. So therefore I notified them I'm gonna need another document. My understanding is when I said I need another document, I mean the seller is gonna give me another document. Right, that's what I thought. So you might think that the seller can say, you're gonna need another document. I thought it means you're gonna get another document, you'll get it from the Reish Galusa. I don't think it means you're gonna get it from me. So Kamash Malan comes to teach Kamash Malan comes to teach me no. The Amar lay that the buyer can say to the seller, obviously I meant you. Why did I make this announcement to the Adam in front of you? If I meant I needed from the Reish Galusa, why would I have said it in front of you? The fact that I said it in front of you is that the intent was you're going to give me it's on condition you give me another document. That's why I said to the Adam in front of you, the Mina that is from you, is the one that I expect to get the uh, second document. Rav Kahana Yov Zuza Akitna. The Gemara brings an interesting situation here. At this point, we think what's happening is like this. Rav Kahana wanted flax. For the entire season, he wanted to get flax delivered to his house. However, So he went to the seller. They agreed on, let's say... Uh, uh, a commodity, a certain amount of, 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 of volume of flax, and we, they worked out at a certain rate, we're going to see the market rate at that point had already come out, and he gave him up front $10,000 for that amount. Now the Gemara at this point thinks he made a Kenyan, because it's metaltolins, so you can't be calling just a Ketzer loan. They did a Mashicha, they did a, a Suder, so really the owner of the flax is... Kahana. Rav Kahana, except that he would like it delivered through the season. Either he doesn't have all the storage right now, and it's not all available right now, but he's purchased it all right now. The benefit he has from it is they've set a set price, and it's, uh, the fluctuations now will not impact either way. That's what he's going to get it delivered to him as is. So let's say he got, what did we say, uh, $10,000... He bought $10,000 at that mount and he got for the, the, the set and volume. Now what happened was, there was a, uh, appreciation, the price of flax went up. So this, the, the, uh, the seller thought he's doing him a favor. What the seller did, he went and he sold the flax, 
to a third person and he comes to Rav Kahana and he says, listen, I just made you uh, $5,000 because that $10,000 that you gave, I'm able to get $15,000 for it. And he wants to give him the $15,000. Rav Kahana was afraid that it looks like ribis because it looks like I gave him ten grand, and he's giving me back $15,000. Is there a problem that it looks... It might not actually be ribis, because the way we're learning the case right now, he owned the flax. The guy was just selling his flax. But is there a taint of ribis over here for him to have given ten and got back fifteen? That is the question that Rav Kahana was troubled with, and he went to Rav to Paskin. So let's see it inside. So anyway... So Rav Kahana, Yav Zuza Kitna, Rav Kahana gave money for the flax. Lesaif Aiker Kitna, at the end the flax went up. Zavne Marvosa de Kitna, the owner of the flax, means the seller sold it. And Asakame the Rav, and Rav Kahana went before Rav. Amar laid, he said, Ma'i Avid, what should I do? Ezel Ishkel Zuzoi, can I take that money? Should I go take that money? Or is it a smack of uh, ribis over here that has a reach of ribis? I can't take it. So Amar Leh, so Rav said like this, depends. When the seller sold the flax, did he say he's doing it as your representative? Did he say that the flax belongs to Rav Kahana and I'm selling Rav Kahana's flax? If he did that, then there would be no problem. But if he never said anything, so anybody purchasing it from him would think that they're purchasing it from the seller and not purchasing it from okay. you, then there might be, it might look like ribbis. That's, that's the, the answer that Rav gave him. Let's see it inside. If when it was sold, Amri Haikitna de Kahanahu, the seller said, I'm selling Rav Kahana's flax, I'm his representative, so Zil Shkol, then you can take the money. It's clear to everybody that this was a business transaction. You now invested in it, now you can take the money back, no problem. But Eloy, but if he sold it without mentioning it was your flax, it looks like it was his flax. So now all it's going, you gave him 10,000, he's giving you back 15,000. So then Eloy Tishko, then you're not allowed to take the money. Ask the Gemara one second. If you tell me that when somebody gives money, he's giving to the person, right? Then I can understand. They, when the person gave the money, and you never said you're representing Rav Kahana, the person giving the money thought he was giving it to the owner. owner. But if you tell him when you give money, you're giving it to the owner or the item, even if you don't know necessarily who that is, but that's who you intend to sell to, then it should make no difference because they're giving the money. Who are they giving the money? Mm-hmm. For the flax that belongs to Rav Kahana. It should be anyway. It should be clear that it's going for Rav Kahana. <coughs> Why does it make a difference whether you mentioned it's for Rav Kahana or not? If you're giving to who the original, the real owner is, you're giving to the owner of the money or the item, so it should make no difference. Must be that Rav, who makes this ruling, is going like the Bnei Marava and not like the other opinion was of Shmuel Bar Sasarti. Shmuel says like this, Come on, whose opinion is that? That's going to Bnei Marava, like the, the Bnei Eretz Yisrael. The Amri who said, Who told the seller of the wheat, that was the expression they used before, that it should go to the owner. They think they're selling to the agent, not to the owner. That was their point. You sell to the person you think it is, not to their money. Sigmar says like this, no, we, we, it's not a problem here because we made a mistake over here. Sigmar says like this, Gemara says that 
it's not a, it, it, that, that the, the whole thing really doesn't make so much sense. Because really, what it, it's not that like Rav Kahana gave, gave, uh, four zoos and he got back eight, which makes the ribbis situation. Rav Kahana actually purchased, we understood, we understood, right? He made a Kenyan. He purchased the, the wheat. Therefore, if he purchased the wheat, he is the owner of the wheat. Now, if the guy, the, the, the sell, seller, now what did he purchase the wheat for? For what? Why did he purchase the wheat? For him to take it. So the horror of the seller who's taken this wheat is a goslin. He's done something illegally. It means he doesn't think he is, but he's stealing it illegally. So the horror, what should happen? As soon as the goslin takes it, he right? Owes, he owes Rav Kahana the money. Now how much money does he owe Rav Kahana? Well, At the time that he took it, it already had a, no, it already had appreciated. So the Chorah, in the laws of Zayla, if I have wheat and you stole my wheat, you have to pay me what the wheat is worth. So therefore, at the time he stole it, it now is worth fifteen. Uh, it's worth fifteen thousand dollars. The Chorah, he should be, for the Din Gzela, he should have to pay the fifteen thousand dollars. How could there be an issue of ribbis over here? Someone doesn't understand. The whole case makes no sense. How is it going? Why, why shouldn't he not be able to take the fifteen thousand dollars? So Fred was Atu, Rav Kahana, Arba, Vishakatmani. Is this a regular case of ribbis that he gave four and he got back eight? Kid Memeilu de Iker. The flax went up on its own. And therefore, the flax went up in its own under the ownership of who? Of Rav Kahana. He did the Kenyan on it. So Migzal Gazle. So that now the guy tries to sell it. That's considered Gzela. He should have to pay the $15,000 because that's what he said. Because Tanan Kola Gazle Misham Kishaza Gzela. The Gazlanim have to pay on when the time of Gzela happened. When did the time of Gzela happen? What's the moment of Gzela over here? When it was seven. When he tries to sell it, at that time it's already worth fifteen thousand. So what's the problem over here? Sigmar so says uh, the problem over here is a whole different problem. We understood that Rav Kahana purchased the stuff. That's not what happened over here. The way these transactions used to work is you would give the money up front as, as, as a uh, as a prepay, and you never actually made a Kenyan. You never actually made a Kenyan. Mean the the flax might not even be in existence yet. There's no Kenyan, so really you don't own the flax. The only reason it avoids ribbis, as we're going to see, is because once the market came out, there's a market. As soon as the market came out, you're allowed to do it. It's called an amana. It's buying on credit. You're buying it on credit. But you're buying on credit, you're giving up the money. But you never made a Kenyan. So therefore, the, actually the flax, when it's going up, it's not going up on your cheshman. It only belongs to Rav Kahana at what point? When Rav Kahana will take possession. That's why it makes the difference over here. If the seller says, I'm doing this as an agent of Rav Kahana... Right? So then, it's as if Rav Khan has taken possession through the agent. So then it's okay to sell it. But if you never mentioned that I'm doing it through Rav Kahana, it's actually whose wheat is it still? It belongs to the owner. For the owner now to turn around and give you the profits, that's going to look like a, 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 a that'll look like a ribbon situation. So that's why I can't do it. That, Okay, but again, maybe there's a schus for him. It's considered a schia on his for his benefit. But the point is that if you're doing something for someone that's in his benefit, you can you can go ahead and do something for somebody in his benefit. The more is assuming now. The only thing is that it would be it would it, it would uh, you you would have to express that that's what you're doing. If you're not expressing that, then it's for yourself. Then you're actually turning around and giving him more money than he actually gave. That you cannot do. So the more says like this, Amri. Hasram Amana Havde. There was an Amana. It was purchasing on credit. You never actually owned the thing. So you, you paid. It was a prepay for something you don't own. For Lo Mashchei Rav Kahana. He never done a Mashicha on the Kitna on the actual flex. 
For Rav Latame, and Rav goes Lashitoso. Rav holds it's okay to do that. It doesn't look like Gezel, it doesn't look like Ribis if the market has already come out and you give money and the item that you get is worth more than you gave. If you purchased it at the market rate at the time, even if the market rate has gone up, as long as you get back the item, it's okay. But for the guy to sell it and give you now more money for it, or the guy says to you, listen, I don't want to give you the money, I I, I don't have the item to give you, but I'm going to give you money back at the new rate you would not be able to do it. That taka looks like ribbis. That's why over here it is a problem if he get if he would get back money without it being stipulated it was sold on his behalf. Then it would look like an amana where you're getting back money, you're getting back more than you. That's why it's considered to be a problem. So what it says like this. So Rav Latame. Rav is Lishitoso. Tama Rav. You can make an amana on produce if the market already came out. Even though the produce you're getting is much more than what you gave, it's okay because you purchased it at the market rate that you can go ahead and do. Even though the Kenyan didn't take, wasn't chal yet until you actually get later. But that's valid to do. That's not viewed as ribbis. Because you gave him the money up front. There's risks either way, right? You gave up the money, but you can do it if there is already existing market price, you can do it. But but you cannot do it if what you're going to get in return is money. That you can't do. Then Taka looks like ribbis. So therefore, it's only a problem if the guy, the guy says, listen, I don't want to give you back the payros, I'm going to give you money instead. That would be a problem of ribbis. But if he says, I'm, I, was, I, I told people that I'm your representative and I sold it on your behalf, then Taket could be avoiding, because then Taket's considered like he was cornered for him, and it could be okay. Alright, let's go on. Zog the Mishnah. Now, this, uh, this Mishnah is dealing with a halach we've touched on before. We know that if a person steals, so there's a Heshav of the Zeusher Gozal, you've got to give the person back what you stole. If you stole, or any other type of financial thing where you're denying somebody money, and what happens is, you swear that you don't own the person the money, and then you feel bad about it, you admit to what you've done, the only way to retain, to get full kapor of what you've done is you have to give back the karen, which is the principal. You have to add a fifth, right, to the amount, which is like going to be 25%, actually. So the total amount is a fifth. And you have to bring a korban. That's the din. So let's see it inside. Zogdeh a person stole at least a pruta. The din over here, shvuah bikkarin, is going to be only if it's worth. I mean, the shvuah on uh, uh, where you call for a big bikkarin is it has to be at least a worth a pruta. Venish baloi, and you swore falsely. Even if you have to travel to Madai, Madai is far away and it's going to be travel expenses. If you want to get Kapara, you have to make sure it gets the the, the money that you're returning gets into the hand. Of the Nigzal. Lo yitain lo live no. You can't give it to his son. Lo lishluch. I can't give it to his agent. It has to get into the hand of the Nigzal itself. Aval, however, the, we're going to see the Chacham made a special takana to allow people to do tshuva because otherwise one's going to say, "What? Well, I'm going to have to fly to China." I'm not, you know. So therefore, you do tshuva. You let the shliach based in take it on behalf of the owner. No, it's the shliach based in. Now, imes. Let's say the Nigzal died. So you never got it to the hand of the Nigzal. So what am I supposed to do now to get my Kapora? In such a case now, the Yarshim, Yarshin him, you can give it to the Yarshim. Yachzul Yarshim. Now, Nosan Loyasakeren. Let's say you only gave back the principal, right? So basically, you stole something worth a hundred bucks. You're supposed to give him a hundred plus twenty-five dollars as the Chomish. You only gave back the hundred. So Nosan Akeren, Lo Nosan Asachomish. 
Now, or, second case, let's say the, the, the Nigzal said, you know what? You don't have to bring it to me. I'm moichel you on the hundred dollars. But he wasn't moichel you on the twenty-five. Twenty-five, give me as kapora. But the hundred, you don't have to give me. Alright? The guy said, you know what? I'm moichel you both on the chomesh and on the keren. But for whatever reason it is, I moichel, but except 124 and, and 99 cents, I'm moichel. One cent, I'm not moichel you. But that one cent ends up being less than a, so therefore, except for, it has to be from the Karen. Of the $100, I might call you the 25, and of the 100, it's 99.99, I might call you one, pruta, one, one amount less than a Pruta. Of the Karen, he wasn't Michael. Right? So in such a case where the either where there is no Karen, the Karen was either paid, it's only the Chomish, or there's the or or he was uh, you either paid the Karen, he was Mochul on the Karen, or it's less than a pruta of the Karen, you don't have to go to Madai to return it. Basically the din that you have to make sure it gets into the person's hand is only if it's a pruta of at least a pruta of Karen. That is still outstanding. For Chomesh, you don't have to go. Chomesh, you can just give to the base. Then you don't. Or you can give to the Yorish. You don't have to go for the Chomesh all the way to Modai. All right. Now let's say the other way around. Let's say you paid the twenty-five dollars. But you didn't pay the hundred yet. The guy said, you don't have to pay me the 25. The 100 I'll take, but not the 25. You can make only the 25. Not on the 100. Or the guy was mochel you on both, and except for a pruta's worth of the keren. Alright? In such a case, you do have to go all the way to Madai for the, at least a keren, a pruta worth of keren, you have to go to Madai. If the keren is existent or the pruta left of it, you have to go. Now, let's say the case happened like this. The case was, it's $125. 100 on the Karen, 25 You paid the 100 Again, what the psychologist over here, that's not, the, the psychology is not our problem. But the guy now, you still owed the Chomish. So the guy calls you up and says, you haven't given me the 25 He says, yes I have. And he, you swear falsely on the Chomish. What's going to happen here, the Chomish switches to become like the Karen. Because now you owe the Chomish as Karen, and then you owe a Chomish of the original Chomesh as Kapora for swearing falsely on the first Chomesh. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why is it like this? So, Nasan lo esa keren, finish balo ala Chomesh, and you swore falsely on the Chomesh. So then, Harez and Meshalem Chomesh ala Chomesh. The first Chomesh becomes the Karen, and you have to pay a second Chomesh. Now, let's say this keeps repeating itself. So, let's say Yitzhaka paid the $25 as the Karen, and you owe the Chomesh of that 25, and you swore falsely on it. So each time you swear falsely on the Chomish, the Chomish needs to be the Karen, and then there becomes a new Chomish on it. Now this can keep going until what? Until the Chomish is going to come out less than a Pruta. Because the Chomish comes out less than a Pruta, but it can't switch to become the Karen, because there is no Din Karen, there's no Kfira, if it is less than a Pruta. So therefore, So this will continue going until the Karen, the, which, which, which the Chomish becomes less than a Pruta, but it can't become a Karen on less than a Pruta. Now this din is not only by Gezel, this din applies by Big Cotton as well, by if you gave someone something to watch, and then you deny that you had it. Shenema, because the Pesach that lists the halachas of the Shvur, that making the Shvur falsely over here, it talks about the following scenarios. But Pikodon, 
which is a case of uh, watching someone's object. Sumas Yad is alone. Begezel is theft. Ashak is amiso. That's talking about where you person, uh, you owe money for wages. And you claim that you, you paid him already or you don't owe it. So therefore, in such a case, so therefore also, it's going to be the same halacha. Or matzah or even by aveda. You know somebody found your aveda and he claims he never found it and he swears false. It's the same halacha will apply. The kichashban, he denied, uh, owing the money. Benishbal, shakran, he swore falsely and then he admitted. Harez mesham, kerem v'chomesh, v'osham. In those cases, you have to pay the keren, you have to pay the chomesh, and you'll have to pay, and you have to bring a carbon. Okay, gentlemen, I guess we'll stop over here. Thank you.